the fall semester of my junior year in college, I studied abroad in Santiago, Chile. It was, it was an incredible time. Did you too? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Um, this was an incredible time. I had, I had some great adventures. I uh, got to explore the Andes, do some climbing. I traveled into neighboring countries. And I dove into Chilean culture. I played this, this instrument called charango on the buses, <laughs> on the public buses in, in, uh, in Santiago. Um, and I loved it. But there were a few times when I got homesick. Not for my family. You know, I've been living away from my family since I was 14, so I was kind of kind of over that by then. I, I love my family, but I was used to being away from them. What I missed were the comforts of being in my own culture, being in American culture. One Saturday when some of my friends uh, were also feeling low, we all got together and went to the movies to see the latest American blockbuster, Fight Club. <laughs> if you've seen Fight Club, you know that the first rule of Fight Club is that you don't talk about Fight Club. I'm going to break that rule. <laughs> In fact, if you have not seen Fight Club, I'm going to ruin this movie for you. <laughs> you can still enjoy the, uh, the performances by Brad Pitt, Edward Norton, and Helena Bonham Carter, and oh, and Meatloaf, too. Meatloaf has an appearance in that movie. But you will know the major plot twist, I'm sorry. But trust me, it's for a good reason. Edward Norton's character, he works in like insurance claims on cars that have had faulty explosions and kind of does some horrible work. He's fairly bored in life, and he is addicted to the IKEA catalog. <laughs> His life is not exactly fulfilled. But on a business trip, he meets a guy on a plane who shakes his life up. They go out for drinks after their flight, and for fun, they decide to get into a fight. How much more masculine absurdity can you ask for? But, but these guys love it. You know, they really, really like it. Uh, they like fighting so much that they start a club a club for people who want to get in fights and burn off all their angst and anxiety. It is called Fight Club. Fancy that. In the end of the film, Edward Norton's character has a realization. The guy he met on the plane was his alter ego. The fight that he got into that started Fight Club, it was with himself alone. He was fighting himself. Why am I talking about this? <laughs> because both passages, the Old Testament and the Gospel, are ancient fight club stories. Let's start with the, the more obvious one. This is one of the cornerstones uh, of the entire Bible and the, and the Abrahamic faith, and also the history of global politics. The wrestling of God, with God, of J Jacob's wrestling with God, and J Jacob's being named Israel. Jacob is moving his family. He is moving his family back to the brother from whom he stole not only his inheritance, but the blessing of God that is the major narrative of the Genesis story. 
Genesis follows this major plot line of the blessing that goes from God to Abraham and on and on and on to the descendants. Along the way, along this trip, back to see this brother from whom he stole everything, Jacob finds himself alone in a strange place. In that strange place, alone, a stranger comes and wrestles with him. At night, all night, (laughs) the stranger sees this is getting nowhere, so he touches Jacob's hip and puts it out of socket. Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. (laughs) But Jacob doesn't give up. He says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I love Jacob's going for it. It's such a... This is a crazy thing to ask of someone that shows up at your camp in the middle of the night in some strange place that starts wrestling with you. But Jacob knew, just like we know. We know what it is to toss and turn in the night. We know what it is to wrestle with God. We know God even when we don't hear the voice saying, this is God. Just like the beginning of his life uh, when he is with his brother Esau and his father Isaac, Jacob fights for and gets the blessing. In the process, Jacob is renamed. Not a nickname. This is not like how we call our second son Jimmy, despite the fact that his birth certificate says James. This is a whole new identity. And what was the new name? Israel, Israel, God wrestler, or as we like to translate, wrestles with God. The latter translation makes me think of uh, dances with wolves. (laughs) Just like Kevin Costner in that movie, the name Israel both recounts a specific event and says a lot more about the nature of that person. Israel is not some passive recipient of God's blessing. Israel is not the quiet type. Israel fights with God. But the point is not that Israel and God are in conflict. The point is that Israel is in contact with God. Jacob, Israel, brings everything to God. Struggles, sadness, beauty, gratitude, wealth, anger, happiness, sorrow, all of it. Jacob brings everything everything to God and wrestles. We all do this. We wrestle. We wrestle with God, begging for justice, fighting against our pain, wishing for something different. We are much like the widow in this gospel story. At our best, we know what we want and we wrestle to get it. This, this gospel story reminds me of a phrase you might have heard. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Have you heard that? You all know that phrase? On its surface, the story seems to be saying just that. If you pray enough, you'll get what you want. The widow who nags the unjust ju- judge gets what she wants because she is persistent. 
And yes, this story does honor persistence, but it does, does so in a really complex way. It plays with our expectations of God. It takes on the idea that God is removed and indifferent, some distant deity who, bring, who brought the world into being and now watches it removed. Not unlike the judge in this story. This parable suggests that even if that is how you think of God, your persistent prayer will transform the world. But implicit in that story is that God is not distant. God is not removed or indifferent. God is caring, attentive, and the source of all justice. More like a parent than a judge. God is with us. Emmanuel in the person of Jesus. Unlike the kingdom of the selfish judge, the kingdom of God is defined by justice, goodness, and relationship. It is in that relationship that we find our true self. Trappist monk and author Thomas Merton sees our relationship with God as crucial to our own identity. He says, there's only one problem on which my existence, my peace, and my happiness depend, to discover myself in discovering God. Our relationship with God is so fundamental that we cannot know ourselves without knowing God. In essence, when we deny that connection with God, we deny ourselves. Like the scene from Fight Club, we wrestle with ourselves, whether we know it or not. We fight with that part of us that is tied to God and neighbor. We fight against God's justice, God's kingdom, God's will. When we imagine ourselves as isolated and not an active participant in God's love in the world. Or as Merton puts it, not to accept and love and do God's will is to refuse the fullness of my existence. But this story reminds us something important. Prayer can transform that understanding by making us familiar, familiar with God's love and God's kingdom, what some call God's will. That's, that's what the gospel parable is saying. Jesus is not saying that you get what you want if you pray constantly or try hard enough. Jesus is saying that through prayer, God transforms the world by transforming us. Through prayer, we stop fighting our true self and we align ourselves with the eternal goodness we call God. So Jesus gives us this simple but powerful advice. Pray always and do not lose heart. Pray always and do not lose heart. Are you struggling to understand something about the world or yourself? Pray always and do not lose heart. Have you lost your direction? Are you lonely? Pray always and do not lose heart. Is a loved one dying? Are you afraid of the political future? Pray always and do not lose heart. The squeaky wheel gets the grease, the solve, the salvation 
the healing. It is through prayer that we find our true selves and fun, as fundamentally linked with God and with all those around us. That con- connection transforms the world. When I think of the transformative power of prayer and of the phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, I think of my dear friend, Kenny Ryman. Kenny was the sound man um, at my old church in Thad's in Los Angeles. And by day, Kenny was, uh, he bagged groceries at, at Albertsons. He did this for 35 years. He was actively involved in the union year there, and that was his day work. But by night, Kenny was part of an experimental band that was kind of like Devo. You know, they like dressed up and were a little bit funky. <laughs> but their music was entirely improvised. On Sundays, Kenny ran the soundboard at our church, and one Sunday, Kenny did not show up for the service. He didn't answer our calls. We sent someone to check in on him at his apartment in South Central Los Angeles, but he didn't answer the door. It turns out Kenny was curled up in bed, writhing in a, from a pain in his gut. When a friend of my a friend and I took him to see the doctor, we found out that he had stage four pancreatic cancer. His diagnosis was not good. The doctor gave him six months to live. Kenny lived alone. He was a quiet and tender man. As his health deteriorated, he isolated himself as many men do. He was not the best advocate for his rights, and meanwhile, his bills piled up, and he was being neglected within the healthcare system. He got removed from unemployment because he neglected to respond to a notice, and Kenny needed help. And our church rallied around him. We created a network of people to get him to appointments. We called ourselves the Squeaky Wheels, <laughs> because of all the noise we made to advocate for, for Kenny. We had a group that prayed for and with Kenny regularly, and in the process of caring for and praying with Kenny, our lives, our lives were transformed. We grew very close, and Kenny glowed with hope. He reconnected with an estranged daughter with whom he hadn't spoken in 20 years, um, and they were inseparable during that time. We held a fundraiser to cover his bills and future medical expenses. We called it uh, a love raiser. Um, And it was a a beautiful night of music and poetry with the whole uh, church family and Kenny's friends and everybody from his musical life from everywhere. And even Kenny spoke at this event. Um, With tears, he said it was one of the greatest nights of his life. In the following months, his health declined. He died in a hospital room, surrounded by friends playing him music. Yes, the squeaky wheel got the grease. (coughs) It is not your standard happy ending. But through prayer and the time we all spent together, we were transformed. The world was transformed, however small 
that world was. Pray always and do not lose heart. Amen. <laughs>